Good morning to all of you and greetings in the name of Jesus, the one who is worthy of our worship and of our discipleship. Let's remember that and not forget the responsibilities that we have before God that we've talked about already in our lesson this morning. I don't know how many of you remember being here 46 years ago today. Um, that was when my sister Evelyn got married. So uh, you can express your uh, happy anniversary wishes to Mark and Evelyn later if you have an opportunity. It's much more comfortable in here today than it was then. Um, it was July the 3rd, and I remember standing right in here somewhere, um, feeling water running down my back. It was salty water, sweat. Um, and it's much more comfortable in here today, so I suppose maybe we could say we've made some progress in the last 46 years. I'd like for you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 20 and just hold that there for a moment. <clears throat> About 35 years ago, there was a man by the name of Tom Peters who was in uh, business management, in, in, in the business of business management and consulting, and he was assigned the project of going around the country and examining various organizations that seemed to thrive, that seemed to do well, that seemed to be profitable. And there were others that started up and struggled and some of them failed in a fairly short period of time and he wrote a book about his uh, travels and about his searches in these companies that he visited and it was entitled In Search of Excellence. And then after a while he wrote a second book to describe what it was he found in these organizations that did well. And the title of that book was A Passion for Excellence. And that's the title of my message this morning, A Passion for Excellence. As Brother Josh mentioned, most of us or many of us are here uh, for a family reunion. And we spent part of the day yesterday thinking about some of our history and some of the people that uh, were our ancestors. This is a significant time, uh, this particular reunion, because it's the first time we have met together when none of the second generation of our family is with us. They've all gone to their reward. The last one being um, Aunt Betts or Beulah uh, last October. And so it's significant that we think about what it was in our heritage that brought us to this point. Now, one of the things that Tom Peters found as he went around the country was that the organizations and the people who made up those organizations, one of the, they found that they were successful because they poured themselves into their work with a, a fervor or an intense emotion that the ones who struggled and were mediocre did not have. 
They were passionate about things like quality. They were passionate about things like customer service. And nothing would come in the way of those values that they held. And they would expend any effort to stick to those values. And it didn't matter if you were selling chicken in Vermont or servicing and selling Cadillacs in Texas, the people that were running those organizations had the philosophy that we will do whatever it takes to remain true to our, our, our commitment to quality and customer service. Tom gave an illustration in his book about one company, uh, the Mars Candy Company, and at that time they were responsible for um, Almond Joy candy bars and others and M&Ms. Some of you may have heard of M&Ms. But the president of that company had a, a passion for excellence. And he was on the floor visiting one day and they were wrapping candy bars in this particular machine and he noticed that the wrappers coming out of the candy bar, coming out of the machine, were going on the candy bars crooked. And nobody was doing anything about it. The people that were operating the machine were going about their work as if nothing was wrong. He didn't say anything, but he went back to his office, which was on an upper floor of the building, and he ordered that a pallet of these candy bars be brought to his office. And you can imagine the, uh, the little... Uh, pallet jack cart that they they brought it under the elevator this beautiful carpeted and posh elevator and through the hallway and into his office and he called maintenance and he had them cut out a piece of the plate glass window that overlooked the uh, parking lot and the employee entrance and it was about shift time and people were streaming into the building who were coming to work and he started taking handfuls of these candy bars and throwing them out the window it was raining candy bars. And the employees coming in were flabbergasted. They, has the boss gone crazy? You know, what, are we going to have to commit him or what's going on here? Well, he was trying to make a point that quality and, 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 and perfection in the work that you do should be our goal, and we should not give up on that for any reason. And what Peters found as he went around looking at these companies was that the ones that, that paid the closest attention to detail were the most successful. They didn't tolerate sloppy workmanship. You know there's a lesson for us there as Christian people. You know, we live in a time when you hear things like, well, it's just what's in the heart that matters. The details don't matter. You've got to listen to their heart. That what you see is not really what they are. They don't work in business. And they don't work in Christianity either. Another example that Tom gave in his book, how many of you have ever heard of McDonald's? Now, most of you have. I thought maybe that had gotten this far already. 
Well, there's a company that supplies McDonald's with all the things that they need to run their restaurants. Buns and hamburger and spoons and forks and napkins and all those things. And I don't know if it's still true today, but a number of years ago, there was no written contract between the McDonald's Corporation and this company that provided all of their stuff and delivered it to their restaurants. There was just an oral agreement that you'll give us what we need, when we need it. And they had some rules. You know, one of the rules was that you never showed up to deliver during mealtime, during the busy times of the day. We don't want a truck sitting in our parking lot while our customers are trying to get through the drive through or to park and find a place to park to come inside and eat. And the understanding, the oral agreement was between these two organizations was that 95% of the time that they would provide the service that was expected and if they didn't make 95% that they had one week to fix it or we'll find somebody else to do it. And so the company had in their headquarters, in their warehouse, they had a flagpole out front. And at the end of the week, they evaluated their performance. And if it wasn't up to 95%, they lowered the flag to half staff. And when the workers came to work the next morning, as they were walking in from the parking lot, they saw the flag. And if it was at half staff, they ran into the building. Because they had one week to fix it. It was do or die. Well, that's similar to the Christian life. Yes, we are saved by faith. But the Bible also says that we, are judged, we will be judged by our works. And if you want to know how those two relate, or how they should relate, just go read the book of James again. Another thing that Tom Peters found in the organizations that had a passion for excellence was that they not only believed in quality, but they had a set of values that they believed in. It was a system of belief that said this is what we stand for. That no matter what, we will not be pressured into deviating from the values that we hold. We're going to live by those. And it didn't matter whether they were making hamburgers or whether they were making high-tech electronics. Their values stood, and they stood for them. Every person that came to work for those organizations were indoctrinated in the value statement. Back to McDonald's. Uh, McDonald's had a value statement that said this. They were, it was Q, S, C, and V. Quality, service, cleanliness, and value. And all of their employees were indoctrinated in that value statement. Have any of you ever heard of Walmart? Sam Walton started that company in Bentonville, Arkansas. And after things got going and they had expanded and built Walmarts everywhere, they had a whole series of airplanes sitting in Bentonville, Arkansas. 
And every Monday morning, Sam Walton would send out his district managers and he would tell them, go out and you visit these stores and I want you to listen to what the general managers of the stores tell you. I want you to listen to what the cashiers say. I want you to listen to what the customers say. And we're going to live by the values of listen, believe, and do. You listen to what these people say and you believe what they're telling you. And if they're saying this, we need to be selling this product or that product, you come back and you, you get some and put it in the stores. At that time, it took Walmart a, just a matter of weeks to bring a new product into their stores. Sears took over a year. You see where they are today. Peters found that a common thread that ran through all of these organizations was a, a fervor or an intense emotional zeal that was not present in the others who were struggling. They had that emotional zeal, they had that passion with a steadfast adherence to their values. Now Jesus told us in Luke chapter 16, the latter part of verse 8, he said, for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Think of, the, think of the excellent Christians that you have known or read about. What characterized them? Wasn't it a steadfast adherence to a set of values and passion about the gospel of Christ? And that's one of the things that we talk about as we gather as a family from time to time is how our ancestors were dedicated to the cause of Christ and how they lived by a set of values. Those two things must go together if we are to be successful in our Christian life. You see, if we only have knowledge... We don't have zeal, we're not going to get very far. If you and I are not zealous about the values that we hold, then our own Christian life will not be successful. You know, if you have zeal, if you have, if you have knowledge without zeal, you never accomplish anything. And if you have zeal without knowledge or without values, it's like, kind of like a gas explosion. You know, there's going to be a whole lot of noise, but you don't know where anything's going. There has to be that emotional commitment or passion for success. You know, we can realize, we can understand, we can know that Jesus was crucified on the cross. But it's like the song says, just to think of the cross moves me now. Without that emotional attachment... Without that passion, it's not going to be meaningful in my life. Most of you, many of you know Milo Zare. And I remember him a number of years ago saying that when he was attending Liberty University, there was one of the professors that said to him, Milo, do you have an emotional attachment to your faith? Do you have a passion and a zeal? For the church of Jesus Christ and not only 
that, but for your, for your brethren, the Anabaptists. Do you have an emotional attachment to your church? And he said, if you do, he said, there's nothing that I can do to change your mind. He said, if you don't, he said, I'll make a Baptist out of you. Acts chapter 20. Paul here was on his way to Jerusalem. And he was being told everywhere that it was not good for him to go, that he was going to face imprisonment, maybe worse, death. And he stopped by to visit the Ephesian elders on his way to Jerusalem. And they weren't excited about him going either. But he said in verse 22, beginning of verse 22, And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But now notice what he says in verse 24, But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Here was a man who lived by values. Here was a man who was faithfully following Christ and he was doing it passionately. That's the introduction. Now for the message. I want to share with you this morning a values statement for spiritual excellence. And I'd like to use the word passion, the seven letters of that word as an acrostic. Now begin with the, with the uh, uh, letter P. If we are to be excellent in, in our Christian life, we must prepare. We must have preparation. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 that ye must be born again. If we are to experience spiritual excellence, we must come to the end of ourselves and submit our will to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We must repent of who we are, not just for the things that we have done. Our nature is, is in rebellion against God if we do not know Jesus Christ as our Savior. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says this, Wherefore, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. After we have received Jesus as Savior, we must prepare ourselves by studying, by being diligent in God's word, by knowing his, his law and what he wants us to do. We need to be need to avail ourselves to learn that we might be useful in God's kingdom. Have you made that preparation this morning? The second letter, the word passion, is A. And I've termed that allegiance. Jesus said in... It's recorded in three of the Gospels at least, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not much left. 
Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse, beginning of verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Paul lost his reputation. He lost his position. He lost his pride. He lost his friends because of his allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. But you never heard him whining about going back. He was going forward. He knew what allegiance to God was. He not only knew what it was, he was deeply convicted. He followed, he followed Christ with a passion, an emotional attachment, a fervor, a zeal. You know, Stephen knew what that was about as well. He was steadfast to the end, refusing to bow to other gods. And I think of some others, Elijah on Mount Carmel. And how he was true to, the, to Jehovah, the one God. And I think of Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel was passionate about his faith and his, his obedience to God. And it didn't matter what was going to happen to him. He was going to be faithful and true to God. What about the, the Christians in Rome? What about our forefathers, Michael Sattler and others, whose allegiance to the truth of God, their passion for faithfulness, carried them through even as martyrs. And I ask you this morning, is your allegiance to God dearer to you than life itself? It was to them. The third letter, S, another thing that's important if we are to be successful Christians is solitude. We live in a time when many things cry for our attention. But I believe the Christians that I have known who were passionate about their faith, it was important to them to spend time alone with God. Jesus did this by word and example. It's imperative for us that we commune with God, that we read his word, that we spend time alone with him without other distractions. Moses spent time in the wilderness. John the Baptist spent time in the wilderness. And maybe you would like to have some wilderness sometimes. You know, we have, it seems, very little time for solitude. But most of us men drive to work every day. And that's a good time for, to be quiet. Maybe you can go to work early before anybody else shows up. Or maybe you can get alone at home. I do have sympathy for young mothers. 
it seems like that the demands on their time are almost without um, exception difficult. But even young mothers, you know, when that, when that baby finally gets to sleep, you've got your choice of books. You got this book and you got Facebook. Which one do you run to? Fourthly, another S for service. When I think of service, I think of a picture of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. He was doing the job that normally a slave did. You know, where are you today? Do you want to be served? Are you, do you demand others serve you, or are you willing to serve? We also have a picture of Christian service, I think, in Acts chapter 9. You remember the story there where Paul, Saul, was on his way to Damascus to arrest some more Christians, and he met Jesus. He met Jesus in a powerful way. And he was blinded, and he ended up going into the into the city and he was couldn't see and he was waiting and God spoke to Ananias and he said Ananias I want you to go down to this particular street and I want you to go into this house and I want you to talk to Saul and Ananias said wait a minute Lord are you sure you know what you're doing here because this man will probably try to kill me. That's what he does. And the Lord said, you don't know this man now. Because he's chosen by me to preach to the Gentiles. And Ananias went. And you know the rest of the story. I appreciate the words of the song, Jesus, fill us with your love. Show us how to serve the neighbors we have from you. Jesus kneels at the feet of his friends, silently washes their feet, master who acts as a slave today. Neighbors are rich and poor. Neighbors are black and white. Neighbors are nearby and far away. Loving puts us on our knees, serving us, serving as though we are slaves. This is the way we should live for you. Letter number five, I, integrity. Integrity says that no matter what comes, I will not sacrifice my values. I can be counted on to live daily what I profess. My walk mirrors my talk. The word integrity means steadfast, consistent, honest. You know, it's a value. The value of integrity is one that stands out in our world today. Just as excellent companies never violate their standards for quality, the excellent Christian will never sacrifice integrity. And I'm thankful that I grew up in an environment where that was taught. A number of years ago, when uh, Evelyn and I were going through our parents' stuff after they had passed from the scene, 
And it was a fair amount of stuff. But in that stuff, we found a letter that was written by my father to a lady who lived up somewhere between Centerville and Halifax. And he had done some work on the farm, some cleanup work on the farm for her a number of years before that. And as he was cleaning up, he had found in a pile of dirt and stone a uh, piece of railroad iron that was about two feet long. It was uh, like a, the rail that the wheels run on. And he thought this would be kind of something kind of handy to have, you know, to, to use for an anvil or uh, to beat on if you needed to put rivets in the section so you could go mow hay. We used it for that quite a bit. And that thing was around as long as I could remember it, but I never knew where it came from until I saw this letter. And he found that in a pile and thought this would be useful, and so he took it. And sometime later, he realized that he had taken something of value without permission. And so this letter that we found was the letter that he had written to this lady letting her know that he had taken that and offering to pay for it. In fact, he had enclosed a check in the, uh, in the letter. That's integrity. And maybe that's one of the reasons that I was taught that and understand it from the word of God that a number of years after that, I was in uh, Lima, Ohio one day, and I, there was a camera shop at that time that I went to to have pictures developed and so forth. And it was located adjacent to a bank parking lot, and you could park in the bank parking lot for a fee of 25 cents or 50 cents and then go into the uh, camera store and come back out and and pay your parking fee and leave. And I came out one day and was in a hurry and forgot to pay my parking fee and left. And I thought, I, I, when I realized what I had done, a few days later I went back. And I'll never forget the reaction of the parking attendant when I went back and said, I was here several days ago and forgot to pay my parking fee, and so here's the 25 cents or whatever it was. I thought I was going to have to resuscitate this man. He wasn't used to anything like that. Integrity. A passion for excellence will always value integrity. The next letter is the letter O. And I've used the word others as a value statement for that. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You also remember that we're to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And I suppose those of you who are, are older remember, and maybe you still do this today, that when you have summer Bible school, one of the songs that we would sing was, J-O-Y, J-O-Y, this will surely mean Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. All of the excellent Christians that I have ever known, have ever observed, lost themselves in serving others. 
You know, we live in a selfish world. What's in it for me? How much am I going to get paid? You know, one of the saddest things is if we are selfish with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I found salvation. That's good enough. I don't need to tell anybody else. I just live my little life. and That's not the way God would have us to be. The last letter, the word passion, is the letter N. Never give up. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, 8 through 10. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Never give up. You see, people who succeed are not quitters. You know, the world is full of quitters. They quit school. They quit work. They quit trying. Or people quit the Christian life. Or preachers quit their responsibility. Never give up. I believe that one of the, one of the things that may cause people to quit is that they lose their vision of the goal. I take you back to Acts chapter 20. And now I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying, let bonds and afflictions abide me, but none of these things move me. I'm not going to quit. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. I don't care if I live or die. I'm going to stick by what I'm, what Paul said, I, I will stick by my values and my passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that causes my, my physical death, so be it. I don't count my life dear, he said in verse 24, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You know, if you quit, you never finish. That's what Paul said. And you know, sometimes the reward or sometimes the finish line seems a long ways off. God keeps his promises. He always has. He always will. And the prize goes to those who finish the race. Those who have a passion for excellence. 
I leave you then with the words of the Apostle Paul further on in Acts chapter 20 and verse 32. When he says, and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. May the Lord bless you.